Today we're in John chapter 15, final I am uh, in the Gospel of John. And we're going to begin just talking about something I believe the Lord builds deep inside all of us, especially those of us who know Christ personally, new creatures in Jesus Christ. I believe there's a part in all of us that says when life is over, I don't just want to have lived and, and not made a difference. I believe there's something deep inside of us where we yearn for Jesus to look at us and say what he says in Matthew 25, 21 to 23. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Doesn't that just connect with you? It does with me. The Apostle Paul said it this way, 1 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. I wonder how many of you would say, you know what, I, I, I really, with this one and only life I've been given, I really want to make a difference in this life that Jesus has blessed me. Anybody besides me? My hand's up there. Yeah. I, I, I think if we're honest, well, of course but here's the questions that we need to consider. How can I make a difference? I mean, everybody wants to make a difference, but how specifically can we make a difference for King Jesus and his kingdom? I mean, are some people just blessed? Are some people just at the right place at the right time? Uh, do some people just have this right mixture of gifts and talents and abilities and they get all the blessings, and they get all the fruit of the Lord. So, so what's the difference between those who are fruitful and victorious for King Jesus and those who don't have much fruit and not much victory and just kind of live a blah life? What's the difference between the victorious, fruitful folk and those who have little or no fruit? Again, Locate in your Bible, on your phone, John chapter 15. Jesus in his final I am statement is crystal clear. Answering these questions. How you, how I, how we can make a difference in life. Would you stand with me if you're able, please? John chapter 15. We're going to read verses 1 to 8. The life-changing power of the vine. Here we go. Read with me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Lord, uh, thank you for explaining things clearly and simply uh, for each and every one of us today. Thank you for the great I am statements we've been studying. Lord, we recognize that you indeed are the creator, the savior, the ruler of the universe. You are I am. And I pray, Lord, that you might become that in all of our lives. Lord, uh, you are the second person of the Trinity. You took our place on the cross. Early Sunday morning, you arose victoriously for us, and we're pleased to worship you together in your church today. Would you meet us and speak and prompt and nudge and whisper, correct, train us today from John chapter 15? And I pray specifically, Lord, for those who are watching us online or those of us who are here in person, Lord, who genuinely desire to make a difference with their one and only life. Would you bring clarity today on how that can happen? Lord, we just don't want to waste our lives. We, we don't want to have little or nothing happen in our lives that's going to make a difference for eternity. So show us clearly what the answer is. And Lord, would you give us... Uh, the ability, the strength, the power to go the next step and actually put the answer into practice. We don't want to just be hearers today of your book. We want to be doers. So would you uh, nudge us along to that next step? And all the church family at Wallow Lake said with one united voice. Here's the key idea. If you're feeling a little sleepy, wake up for a moment. Write it down, and then you can fall back asleep, and we'll nudge you at the end of the service. So don't look silly. Here we go. Key idea. Followers of Jesus Christ were responsible to bear fruit for Christ through the power that he gives us. Okay? So we are responsible to bear fruit for Jesus Christ, but to do so in the power that Jesus Christ Gives us. Dig in with me. Verse 1. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Just want to point it out again. I already said it. Who's talking here? Who is the true vine? Tell me. Jesus is. Okay? Jesus is the vine. Let's use tree terms. Okay? David Furman, here we go. Tree terms. Uh, Jesus would be the trunk. Right, Bob? Jesus is the trunk of the tree, if we're talking in tree terms. Go back to verse 1. Jesus is the true vine, and he says, My Father, God the Father, is the, the gardener. So God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, is the owner or the manager of the vineyard. God the Father is the owner, the manager of this farm, of this vineyard, of this garden. And the goal of God the Father, the owner, the manager of the vineyard, is to keep it healthy. Track with me. The Father's job, his goal, keep the vineyard healthy 
and produce as many grapes as possible. Here's the goal. Maximum fruit. Say it with me. Maximum fruit is the goal. That, that's what he's all about. He wants to maximize the fruit in the garden. Verse 5, Jesus says, again, I am the vine. Now he's talking to his disciples, and you are the branches. The branches in this illustration are disciples, followers of Jesus Christ down through the ages. Does that make sense? In other words, Jesus is the trunk of the tree, and the branches of the tree are all of us who know Christ, who follow Jesus, who've been born again. So, the, the vine, the trunk, the plant is Jesus, and Jesus supplies the sap. Jesus supplies the power. Jesus supplies the nutrients to the branches. And how does he do that? If you go back to John 14, just before he goes into this illustration, John chapter 14, verses 15 to 21, he talks about the Holy Spirit. And he says, oh, by the way, I'm sending this amazing gift your way. Don't be too sad I'm going away because you're going to get this amazing gift, the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. So it's the power supply of the Holy Spirit that brings us the power to live. We get connected and hooked to Jesus who resides inside of us through his spirit, through the third person of the Trinity. That's the picture he's painting for us. And he's saying to the 11 remaining disciples, he's saying to us, church, I'm leaving planet Earth now, but my work isn't finished yet. I'm about to leave, but my work still has a lot of effort and energy and power. So Jesus followers, your job, keep working for King Jesus. That's our duty. That's our responsibility. Specifically, bluntly, give me your eyes, our duty is to bear much fruit for King Jesus. That's our calling. That's what he expects from us, bear lasting fruit for the king. Verse 8, look what it says. And when followers of Jesus, when the church does its job, when we work fruitfully and effectively for Jesus Christ, look at verse 8, what does it say? The result is God the Father gets glory. We make the master gardener look really good when we bear much fruit in the power of Jesus for the glory of the Father and the Son. You understand what he's saying? Now go back to verse 8. He, he's not done. He says, the fruit we bear shows the world that we belong to the Father and to the Son. When we bear much fruit, shows the world, and I would argue shows us, oh yeah, I belong to Jesus. How do I know that? Because I see fruit in my life, lasting, make a difference fruit that comes from Jesus living in and through me. Make sense? So, so we glorify the Father, we show the world that He's real and alive in us, and, and we make a difference for others to see and for us to see ourselves. Now here's the key problem. 
Okay? Here's the rub. We know Jesus. We love Jesus. But we assume that's not my job. That's not my duty to bear fruit. Because only God can bear fruit. Only the Father, the Son, and the Spirit can produce and bear fruit. Now track with me. So we remain passive. We just sit back. We're neutral. And we're saying, you know, Jesus, uh, if you want to do good stuff in my life, okay, I'm, I'm open. I'm available. I'll sit back and wait for you to go for it. Here's, here's kind of, I've heard people say this. Uh, just zap some fruit in me, okay? And, and I'm all good with that. Come on, zap it to me, Jesus. Okay? But I want to go back. I want to show you verses 4 to 10 of John 15. Jesus commands us. Ten times to do something. In order for fruit to become a part of our lives, ten times, John 15, verses 4 to 10, Jesus says, we must abide. We must remain. We must stay connected to Jesus. You want fruit in your life? You want lasting, make a difference for eternity fruit? Listen, you got to abide. You have to connect. You have to daily, intentionally get connected to the sap, the power, the nutrients. And where does that come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of us. When we abide with Jesus, how do you do that? Uh, I sit at his feet. I, I drink deeply from him. I get connected to Jesus. I invite Jesus to take charge, sit on the throne, Jesus. You come and you sit behind the steering wheel of my life, is really what we're saying. And then the power, the energy of Christ, the Holy Spirit flows through us and bears much fruit. Some people say, well, I think, I think if you're saved, that means you're bearing and abiding, right? If you're saved, if I'm a follower of Christ, I said yes, I walked an aisle, I prayed a prayer, I signed a card, I'm pretty sure I got my fire insurance, I'm pretty good, therefore I'm saved and I'm abiding, right? So I'm just going to bear much fruit. My question would be, if that's true, and there's some folks who believe that way, uh, then why does Jesus take the time to tell us ten times? we got to do something. If it just automatically happens, and I'm just automatically abiding because I know Jesus personally, then why does he command us ten times to abide? And I would argue it, it doesn't just happen. It, it doesn't just occur just because you're a follower of Jesus. We must daily get connected. We must daily moment by moment, hourly choose to walk and drink and get abiding with Jesus, connected. He's the vine. He's the trunk. He's what I, what I need. So every day, here's the question. Am I going to choose to get connected and sit at Jesus' feet? Am I going to uh, choose to drink deeply streams of living water? and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to take charge? Or 
Am I going to do what most of us do most days and just live? Get busy. Go, go do your stuff. And uh, whatever happens, happens. And that's good. And I'll just live in Jeff's power and Jeff's energy and Jeff's agenda. And what happens when I live that way? Tell me what happens. Show me. <laughs> Nothing that matters. Nothing that lasts. Look at verse 5. Apart from Jesus, how much can I do? I've said before, and I'll say it again, that's the hardest verse in all of God's Word for most of us to believe. What do you mean, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing? I, I've lived most of my life apart from Jesus, right? We can do lots of stuff. We can do almost everything apart from Jesus. Give me your eyes. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing that matters. Nothing that lasts. Nothing that results in fruit that's going to last for all of eternity. That, that's the difference. That's the difference right there. Survey done by Walk Through the Bible. Bruce Wilkinson was the head of that organization at the time. 85% of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, 85% churches just like Walloon say, you know what? There's no fruit in my life or almost no. Very little or nothing to show that's going to last, that's going to make a difference. So self-identifying folks like us, 85% of us in this survey said, no, no fruit, or, or almost no fruit. Okay? Uh, here's the hard truth. Unless and until daily walking, connecting, abiding becomes the priority of my life, fruit won't happen. Unless we're extremely intentional, and this becomes like something we're totally laser-focused on, it's not going to happen. Why? Because there's lots of stuff to do, right? i, I got to live my life. i I got, I got things to go, and, and i got people who are hollering. It's loud. It's hectic. It's fast-paced. The tyranny of the urgent will drown out get abiding and connecting and sitting at Jesus' feet every time. It's just the truth. And if we're not so intentional, the tyranny of the urgent will squeeze out any fruit becoming a part of our lives. Therefore, we're not making a difference because I don't take the time to abide. So, what does God the Father, God the Father is who in this story? Who is he? Tell me. He's the gardener. He's the owner of the vineyard. Uh, what does he do to get our attention and get us back on track? Want to see just for a moment? Let, let's look. What, what does God the Father do? Okay, we belong to Jesus. I, I'm, I'm his child. I've said yes by faith. Received him. Uh, look at verse 2. Here's what he says. The gardener, the father cuts off, this is interesting, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Now some folks say, see, you belonged and now you don't belong, you were in and now you're out, but the Greek word arrow means to lift up and to clean. The gardener lifts up the branches that don't bear fruit and he cleans every branch in me that bears no fruit. Listen, 
That's the discipline process. In other words, he loves us so much that he says, you know what? If you're going to live in the mud and the manure of this world, I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to get you clean. And this may not be pleasant. This may not be easy. Discipline. The second thing the gardener does, look back at verse 2. It says, um, he cuts off every branch, lifts it up, that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, what does he do? What's less? He, he prunes. He prunes. Uh, so that it will be even more fruitful. And now we're not talking about the prunes you have in the morning to keep everything flowing. He's talking about prunes that you what? You take scissors and you snip and you cut away the extra in our lives. Two things. First, the father spanks his children. Why? Because he needs to get our attention. Because everything else has our attention. He, when we're living in sin, that's what he's talking about. Uh, some of us, we're not abiding because I'm too busy in the world and I've fallen in the mud. He lifts us up and he cleans us. He spanks us to get our attention. Second thing, he prunes us. He thins out. He weeds the excessive or extra growth. Why? So that we'll be even more fruitful. So I, I want you to be fruitful, but I want to thin out some of all the stuff that's going on in your life. And the only way I can do that is to prune and to cut out the extra growth. Now this, is, this is huge. God the Father, the gardener who owns the vineyard, who owns the world, loves us so much he says, I'm willing to intervene. In the lives of my children, I care so much. I'm going to get involved, and I am willing to discipline, and I am willing to prune in order to get your attention, in order for you to come running back to me and start abiding and connecting once again. Because I want you to bear much fruit. That's why. For the kingdom of Jesus Christ, our King. Now, I suspect... Looking around, if that survey is true, I suspect some of us are in a season of either discipline, the Lord is trying to wake you up, you've not been paying attention, uh, yeah, I, I, I love Jesus and I think about him, you know, Sunday for an hour and occasionally, but, but mostly I'm, I'm doing my thing. The Lord says, I'm going to wake you up, I'm going to get your attention, I'm going to clean you up. And it probably is going to hurt. Some of you uh, are not living daily for Jesus. And, and now the discipline's coming. And you're saying, what's going on? I would present to you a gentleman named Jonah. Remember Jonah? Remember the guy? He was a whale of a prophet. You recall that? And uh, he, he was told, I want you to go to Nineveh. And I want you to preach. And he says, I hate those people. I'm not going there. And what did he do? Instead of going to Nineveh, he hopped aboard a boat and went where? The exact opposite way. And the Lord uh, used a fish of a switch to get his attention. That's what we're talking about. The Lord loves you. If you belong to him, he loves you too much to just let you go the other direction. He's going to get your attention. And some of us here today, we're getting pruned. We're getting sheared. And we're thinking, what's going on here, Lord? I, I, I belong to you, 
and, and there's no sin in my life, best I know, and this pruning stuff hurts, and it feels unfair, and I'm confused, and I'm frustrated with exactly what you're doing, Jesus, in my life. Father, why are you allowing this to go on? I would present to you a gentleman named Joseph. They're called Joseph in the Old Testament. And Joseph loved the Lord as God, but the Lord allowed all sorts of hard stuff to go on in Joseph's life. Uh, he got sold into slavery by his brothers. He was doing great work for his new boss. Now she falsely accuses him. He's thrown where? Straight into prison. Then he's forgotten about why did the Lord allow all of this awful hard stuff to go on in his life? Give me your eyes. Because God knew that Joseph was going to be his man. You're going to be second in command. You're going to save the Egyptians with what you know and how I'm using you. But you're going to save your family. You're going to save my chosen people, Israel. And, and the Lord knew he needed a strong, fruitful Joseph in order for that to happen. He, he needed to go through the pruning process to be his man. Just telling you, the Lord loves his vineyard, his branches so much, he's going to do whatever it takes to maximize fruit in our lives. I want to close this morning by uh, looking at the lives of two sisters. Okay? Let's uh, turn quickly with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. They illustrate what it's going to take to be people who are fruitful. Fruit that lasts, fruit that matters, fruit that makes a difference. Where does that come from? This illustrates it really well. Verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Okay, This is the same Martha who later is going to lose her brother Lazarus to, dead, to death, and Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. Okay, Verse 39, and uh, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. What was she doing? Martha thought she was doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just listening to Jesus, okay? Listening at his feet. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my lazy sister has left me to do the work by myself? Lord, Lord, don't you care that she's doing nothing? Lord, don't you care about me? Tell her to help me. Tell her to get busy. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried, you're upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is what? Mary has chosen what is what does it say? better, and it won't be taken from you. Verse 42 is the key. One thing is needed. One thing is essential. Martha, only one thing is vital, and Mary has chosen what's needed and necessary and vital. Matter of fact, Mary has chosen what is better than what you're doing. And here's the question, balcony. What's Mary doing? What is Mary doing here? And the answer, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Mary is sitting and enjoying 
friendship, fellowship. She's listening to Jesus. She's talking with Jesus. She's savoring her relationship with Jesus. Here's what you need to know. What Martha was doing wasn't bad. She, she wasn't doing bad things. She was cooking, cleaning, setting the table, peeling the potatoes, fetching the water, slicing the turkey. But the best thing, give me your eyes, the best thing, the activity that must come before we get busy is to sit at Jesus' feet and drink and abide. The, the most important thing before we rush off into our busy lives and we get busy, the most important thing is to sit at Jesus' feet and drink and abide. Most of us are wired. We, our feet hit the floor. Now let's get busy. I'm already behind schedule. Let's go do something. But if we get in the car and, and we drive and we want to go places, but you didn't take time to get your, your truck filled up with fuel, where are you going? Nowhere. You're right, Kevin. So until we get fueled up for the day by sitting at Jesus' feet, we've got no fuel, we've got no power to make a difference with our lives. And that's true each and every day. And it's not just for Sundays, and it's not just when things are really tough and, and, and really hard. I'm telling you, each and every day, unless we first go sit at the feet of Jesus, we're going nowhere that matters. No energy, no power, no fruit. So here's the lesson from Mary and Martha for today. Okay? Before we sweat and get busy and do stuff for Jesus, first take the time to get connected to Jesus. Some of us, we're, we're, we're exuberant. Oh yeah, I'm doing stuff. Yeah, but first sit at the feet of Jesus and then be Martha. That's the thing she meant. She was great at working, but she didn't sit at Jesus' feet first. Therefore, there was no lasting fruit to show for her efforts. And lots of us are really, really busy. We're doing lots of stuff. But if we don't first get connected to Jesus and drink deeply and allow Him to take charge, there's nothing to show for it. Nothing that matters. Nothing that lasts. Nothing that's going to make a difference for eternity. Get connected to Jesus first. And then get this. Bye. Connect. Drink. Why? Because I want to glorify the Father with my life. Don't you? I want to make a difference with this one and only life that I've been given. I only get one chance here. I want to make a difference. And I want Jesus one day to look at me and say, You know what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome. Enjoy your master's happiness. How is that going to happen? How is he going to say only if we make the priority to sit daily at Jesus' feet and drink first, first, and then get busy. Lord, we confess we live in a really busy, loud, hectic, fast-paced world, 
And even in northern Michigan, that's happening more and more and more. So we just acknowledge this is hard. This is challenging. This is a first world problem, but it's a problem for us. So I pray for myself, I pray for my friends here. Would you help us to start paying attention to our daily lives? Would you help us to find time to sit at the feet of your son Jesus, even on the busy days, even on the hard days? especially on the busy days, especially on the hard days. Lord, I, I suspect that some of my friends are right now in the middle of you getting their attention. You love them so much that you're willing to lift them up and clean them up, and that discipline oftentimes hurts. There are probably some here who are pretty confused with what's going on. How come you're uh, pruning them, Lord? How come you're allowing them to go through situations they don't like, they don't understand? Lord, would you help us to trust you? Because you've never failed us once, and you're never going to fail us ever in the days ahead. Help us to trust you even when it hurts. Help us to trust you even when it's difficult and we don't get it. Finally, Lord, I want to pray for anybody here who, the truth is, they can't bear lasting fruit because they don't know your son personally as Savior and Lord. Very well may be someone here today or watching online, they've never said yes to what you did for them on the cross. Shedding your blood for our greatest problem, we're sinners. They've never said yes to you taking our place in the grave. And they've never believed and received you as the victorious one, conquering sin and Satan and death. They've never invited you to be the king. Lord, would you impress upon them the greatest need? Which is to know your son personally, to say yes to the cross, to say yes to the empty tomb. We love you, Lord. We're grateful to be here today. Help us to abide and bear much fruit. So Jesus, and the Father, the glory in your hands. In his name we pray. Amen.